Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. صباح الخير جود مورنينج دير ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 ام مارتن Thanks for tuning in to Australia's only radio program that is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause in English language. I would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on the website 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. In uh, today's uh, episode, we will be listening to uh, George Galloway and his reflections on the Al Jazeera investigation program about the Israeli lobby in uh, UK. And also, we're going to talk about uh, Netanyahu's visit to Australia and the law that passed by the Knesset uh, to, legitim- to legitimize uh, the Israeli settlements in West Bank. So. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. This morning we thought we'd listen to George Galloway, who has a magnificent voice and a magnificent way of explaining things. He's reflecting on the Al Jazeera Uh, episode that was talking about the Israeli lobby in the UK. Enjoy this, and we'll put a link where you can actually watch the DVD as well, or the video. But also where they can watch Al Jazeera investigations under the uh, title The Lobby. So uh, let's listen to George Galloway's reflections on that. Let's do that, Yusuf. An Israeli official in charge of political relations with Britain's political parties a man with a very large bag of money, about which more later, no junior employee. This is a man who is on the conference circuit and is in and out of the British Parliament almost on a daily basis doing his business for Israel. He was captured on film with some friends from Labour and Conservative, including members of Parliament and high-ranking parliamentary officials plotting to bring down a British government minister, and not just any minister, Sir Alan Duncan, the Deputy Foreign Minister of Britain. Now, I've known Sir Alan Duncan for more than 30 years. He's a very brave man, not just because he stands out against Israeli crimes against the Palestinian people, but because he was the very first publicly out gay Conservative MP. And so when the Israeli official said that he could arrange a scandal to bring down Alan Duncan from the foreign office position that he holds, you don't have to be Einstein to work out what kind of scandal 
that might have been. That ought to have been enough for Boris Johnson, who was called an idiot in the same piece of footage by the Israeli official, to summon Mark Regev, the Israeli ambassador, to London and give him his marching orders. He didn't, of course, do that for reasons which we will uh, go into in just a few minutes. But that was not all that was uncovered. The friends at the lunch asked the Israeli official whether there were not uh, other MPs that could meet the same fate, could be brought down in a scandal by this man that they were lunching with. And they came up with a very interesting name, Sir Crispin Blunt, no less, the chairman of the British Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee. They didn't like him either. They wanted to bring him down to arrange a scandal for him. Now, he too is a publicly out gay conservative. Again, you don't have to wonder for long what kind of a scandal that might have been. I don't mean to be flippant, but maybe they would have put Alan Duncan and Crispin Blunt together under the bedclothes. Maybe that would have been the ultimate, the mother of all scandals, bringing them both down at the same time. Now, Boris Johnson declared the matter immediately closed. So my first question to you is, if that had been a Russian embassy official or an Iranian embassy official planning to bring down important people in the British state, would the matter have been immediately closed or would the respective ambassadors be brought into the foreign office and promptly expelled from the country? Wouldn't we be now in the middle of a state-to-state -state crisis with any other state that's carried out such subversion of our democratic process? And that's what I want to turn to next because uh, these two Tory uh, knights of the Shire can look after themselves. I'm more interested in the Labour Party aspects of this. Jeremy Corbyn and I marched together for more than 30 years in support of the Palestinian people. Since the day and hour that Corbyn was elected, indeed, when it became clear that he was likely to be elected, the Israel lobby has gone absolutely bananas. They persecuted Jeremy Corbyn every step of the way to the leadership, and as soon as he had won it, they began trying to have him overthrown. They confected an entirely fake anti-Semitism scare inside the Labour Party, painting their own party as a nest of racism, when of course the truth was that there was nothing to such allegations whatsoever. The only thing that most Labour Party members have in common with Jeremy Corbyn on this is their support for justice for the Palestinian people and their opposition to the crimes of the State of Israel. Well, there was a Labour MP at the lunch. Her name is Joan Ryan. She's the Member of Parliament for Enfield, though you wouldn't know it. In fact, she's more properly described as the MP for Tel Aviv. She's the chair of the so-called Labour Friends of Israel. And she was there for a very important purpose. And the same Israeli official in charge of political relations with the British political parties gave her some very good news. And in the pictures accompanying the 
uh, Al Jazeera footage, you can see the breadth of the smile on her face. As well, it might, because the official told her that he had secured more than one million pounds as a slush fund for Labour members of Parliament to come to the aid of the State of Israel. It's being dressed up as more than one million pounds to fly Labour members of Parliament to Israel for fact-finding missions. But that's entirely bogus. First of all, most of them have already been uh, on not one but several fact-finding missions to Israel. Secondly, you can fly to Israel for well under a thousand pounds. And let's say half of the Labour MPs have taken the shekel. That doesn't even cost you a hundred thousand pounds. What was the other nine hundred thousand pounds for? I'll tell you. It was for a slush fund to destabilize Jeremy Corbyn, to try and overthrow Jeremy Corbyn as the leader of the Labour Party. It was for a political slush fund operated by Labour members of Parliament on behalf of a foreign power. Not just any foreign power, but one which is the biggest international lawbreaker on the earth. One which has just been unanimously condemned by the entire Security Council of the United Nations for its criminal activities against the Palestinian people. What kind of Labour MP is not only in bed with a state like that, but is receiving covertly because you would never have heard of the existence of this slush fund of more than one million pounds, taking money from a foreign embassy to lobby for that foreign country when that foreign country stands in public opprobrium amongst almost all Labour Party members, most people in Britain and most countries in the world. And the third aspect I want to deal with is this. It is said in the video by the high-ranking Conservative official at the lunch that almost all Conservative MPs are members of the Conservative Friends of Israel. I can tell you that at least half of the Labour MPs are members of the Labour Friends of Israel. Isn't it about time that you demanded that your Member of Parliament's first allegiance was to Britain, that their first responsibility was to debate and decide on what Britain's foreign policy should be rather than be agents for somebody else's country? And when that somebody else's country is a country of gangsters that murder people, including British people, and for a very long time. The Israel lobby have been in Westminster and Whitehall before, you know. They tried to murder Sir Winston Churchill, the British Prime Minister, at a time when he was leading our country in the epic battle against Hitler fascism, the perpetrators of a Holocaust which murdered six millions of Jews. They planted bombs in the Foreign Office in Whitehall. They murdered British officials. They hanged two British sergeants with piano wire in an orange grove and took pictures of it, 
so that they could spread it as propaganda around the world. They blew up more than 90 British civil servants in a hotel in Jerusalem. Israel invented terrorism. It invented modern terrorism at any rate. Yet now it calls its victims, the Palestinian people, the terrorists, and themselves the victims of terror. Well, we can talk about sorting out the Middle East later on another day. But first, we have to sort out our own parliament and our own democratic system. We must not tolerate its subversion by a foreign power. We cannot tolerate members of parliament being bought and paid for by a foreign power because we can never know when they say, when they ask, when they do what they do in parliament, we can never know if they're doing it because it's in our interests or it's in the interests of someone else. That was George Galloway's reflections on the Al Jazeera investigation into the Israeli lobby. Now please enjoy listening to Doc Jazz and Intifada. Thanks to Rick Shadid. Occupation is a hazardous game If you get your hands dirty It will burn you like a flame They want us to bow down Surrender our hometown They're building colonies Creating a showdown It's not political or matter Analytical It's plain straight War crimes targeting civilians Northern American Indians Australian Aboriginals The people of the land All wiping to oblivion It's never right to steal Another people's country Your implements philosophy Has smothered your morality No fake excuses No media control And cover up the crime That is vivid to us all You're listening to Palestine Remembered on 855 AM uh, and um, uh, I guess Nasser and Robert well, it's, it's confirmed and he's going to be here. He's shortened his trip a little bit. And I think it's just, just while we we're on the topic to remind our listeners that uh, there's a, a demonstration at the State Library on the 19th of February at 2 p.m. 19th of February, 2 p.m. in front of the State Library. So please join us there. Um, he, he is actually coming. Mm. And what's um, you know really sickening about him coming and getting an invitation from our Foreign Minister, Julie Bishop, is mm. the fact that this man is you know responsible for so many crimes you know whether it be uh, the continuing uh, illegal inhumane uh, open air prison and blockade in Gaza whether it's the um, significant increase in housing demolitions in uh, East Jerusalem and occupied West Bank 
whether it's the uh, continued oppression and, and imprisonment of children as young as 12, mm. um, whether it's the, the, the continued settlement uh, activity in uh, areas A, B and C in, in the West Bank. I mean, the, the, the fact that we can lord this guy and invite him here really is it, it's sickening. Now, uh, Rob, I want to ask you, um, like for Australians, uh, because the invitation uh, to Netanyahu was uh, uh, on behalf of Australia to Netanyahu by Julia Bishop. Now, I guess my question will be, um, why is it that this man's visit to Australia is against the values of uh, Australia in general? Well, it should be the, against the values of, of a human being, but I don't think the, the vast majority of Australians understand the depravity that this man undertakes throughout the world. Not only is he you know, killing and stealing the Palestinians and their land, he's using our money and American money. And, I mean, this is a man that not long ago blamed the Holocaust on the Palestinians. Mm. And most people don't even know about this. And to me, for any of our politicians to be rolling the carpet out and say, this man, welcome... He has our values. This is a man that uh, won the election over in Israel by saying that the Arabs voters were, were coming out in droves and to stop this happening, he must get all of his Israeli counterparts to come down. I mean, he's well, not his Israeli counterparts because the Israeli Arabs or Palestinians of Israel, mm. um, he used the threat of the Arabs rushing to the ballot boxes as a way to ignite uh, right-wing sentiment and get the Israelis to come out. So what would happen if Jews. we had that sort of conversation here? considering that the world is actually up in arms about America I mean, banning Muslims we're, from we're, other countries. We're not far from that conversation here. This morning on John Fain uh, uh, 774, not that we want to plug another radio station because you're listening to the right one at 855 AM 3CR. Good morning. <laughs> but um, this, the, this morning on, on, the, on the Fain program, he had uh, uh, Michael Kroger, the state president of the Liberal Party, and he was talking about um, Liberal Party preferencing because they're actually working towards preferencing one nation now. And Fain was challenging him on the fact that, you know, Abbott was a, a leader in putting uh, Pauline Hanson in jail back in the day, and here you are almost almost doing the deal now to preference her at a state level. And he said, well, we've got to you know, make decisions that are in line with our conservative values. You know, in wills, we had to be very careful because we, um, we preferenced the Labor candidate over Green's candidate, and because Peter Khalil is good on Israel supports um, the United States, and we couldn't have an anti-Semite like uh, the Greens candidate, Sam Ratnam. Um, we couldn't support that because well, she's you know, a known anti-Semite and the Greens are anti-Semitic. So aside from Netanyahu calling, you know, using that dog wheel politics of Jews run to the ballot box, the Christians and Muslims, yeah. um, you know, Arabs, might actually get enough votes swamp. up. It might mm. swamp the ballot box. I mean, mm. that's after the... Um, the constitutional change and the increase in uh, voter percentages required to get a Knesset seat, which saw the uh, Palestinian parties join and create the joint list. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, 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 the sort of language, you know, it's Gobelesque to the point where, and, it, and Rob was touching on it back uh, last year, Netanyahu claimed that um, Haj Amin al-Husseini, in his meeting, his infamous meeting with, with Hitler, that it was in fact uh, the Hajj's idea to start the final solution, you know, mm. much to, you know, the shock of the entire Jewish world. Mm. He went and absolved Hitler of the decision, uh, you know, of the responsibility of the decision for the final solution. To whitewash uh, somebody like Hitler 
just because just to degrade Palestinians to degrade further. Palestinians further. I mean, it, you know, articles, his yeah. um, um, his endeavour to apologise was. My intention was not to absolve Hitler of his responsibility, but rather to show that the forefathers of the Palestinian nation, without a country and without the so-called occupation, without land and without settlements, even then aspired to systematic incitement to exterminate the Jews. Now, the reality is, to all of these Zionists, there is no such thing as a Palestinian. There was no Palestine. Yet, 10 years before, or 13 years before the establishment of the State of Israel in forty-eight, our uh, inverted commas, leader, is uh, extolling the virtues of the finan- final solution. And in response to Hitler's uh, Holocaust, uh, the uh, Zionists encouraged the Jews to migrate to Palestine, the mother of all evils, you know, the ones who even encouraged them. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, no, no. This is the Israeli logic. It, it's, well, a look, it's, it's a sad side of effect. It's a sad and it's just, you know, crazy that... Um, a guy like this can travel the world, you know. He met with May uh, a couple of days ago. He's going to meet with Trump before he comes here and to meet with Turnbull. But you know, this is um, this is where the world is moving. You know, whether it's Theresa May today welcoming Netanyahu, whether it's um, Murray Le Pen in France, whether it's uh, Wilders de, uh, Kurt Wilders in um, uh, Holland, mm. or whether it's Pauline Hanson here. You know, or Michael Kroger. You know, bastion of conservatism on uh, ABC Radio. You know, saying that we've got to preference a pro-Israel candidate and and therefore give Labor preferences rather than Greens. What what's Israel got to do with the state of mm. this, with with federal politics or this the state of that, wills? That Israel isn't just a matter of foreign policy. It it's it's actually. Uh, integral to our decision making process even in domestic policies yeah it's i mean it's down it's right through into state into state politics mm. as well i mean you know mm. wh- whether it's um how how entities are funded or the, the challenge of a um uh, of getting funding for for anything that is contrary mm. to the existing paradigm I mean, the absurdity of this comment would be uh, uh, obvious if you just replace Israel with, let's say, Russia or any other foreign entity, and things will start. Uh, yeah, really well, absolutely. We just imagine, heard, we, just we, imagine. Absolutely, we just heard, you know, George Galloway, you know, speak to that, in, mm. and and um, the Israel lobby and and its uh, power within the um, Parliament in Britain. We are going to uh, talk more about uh, Netanyahu's uh, visit uh, to Australia and to Melbourne uh, in uh, next week's episode. Uh, But now uh, we will uh, also touch on um, another uh, development uh, coming from uh, Palestine and the legislation of uh, settlements. Uh, Retrospectively as well. Yeah. What do we have, uh, Nasser? Well, um, on on last Monday night, the uh, Israeli parliament, the Knesset, approved a bill to retrospectively legalise the expropriation of of settlers' land off Palestinians. So what what this means is illegal under Israeli law, illegal under international law we know, but that doesn't mean anything for an Israeli. Under Israeli existing law, they went and stole Palestinian land and built Israeli outposts. The Israeli government then connected power to these illegal outposts. Roads, Israeli-only roads to these illegal outposts. Years later, they've all been illegal, all the while that negotiation on the two-state solution is predicated on the basis that we'll talk about all this stuff at some point in time. They're connected to the power grid, connected to sewer. They've got more water than their Palestinian neighbours. They're in the West Bank, illegal under international law. All of a sudden, in a vote last last Monday, they've suddenly decided, vote of 60-52, that... They're legal. 
We're going to compensate those Palestinians, whether they like it or not. But this land is now Israeli state land. I mean, it, you know, it beggars mm. belief. I mean, the good thing is that it's out and people are saying it. The, the challenge is you get uh, comments from Theresa May, this is not going to help Israeli friends in the international arena. Mm. We actually even got a quote from, um, um, from the White House, you know, Trump, who's appointed the most Israeli ambassador ever, a Jewish American who's uh, donated to pro-settler movements, who's um, on record as saying, um, uh, the U.S. Embassy's got to move to Jerusalem. The State Department uh, issued a, uh, we'll, we'll call it a thinly veiled condemnation, but here's the quote. The American desire for peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians has remained unchanged for 50 years. Whilst we do not believe the existence of settlements is an impediment to peace, the construction of new settlements or the expansion of existing settlements beyond their current borders may not be helpful in achieving that goal. Mm. I mean, that's the strongest language that we're going to get out of Trump. It's, you know, scary. And and to, for, for our listeners at home, to give you an idea what this means is, you and I are neighbours. I jump the fence and decide that your backyard is mine. The cops come and say, that's illegal. Let's call them international law. My wife says to me, you can't do that. That's not right. I go, look, it's okay. We'll just put the kids' uh, pool there and we'll put a cubby house there. Years later, we go, you know what? My wife decides, in fact, it is okay. We are going to make that okay. So we move the fence. She's okay with it. I'm okay with it. The kids are loving the backyard. Meanwhile, our neighbours are like, you know, what can we do? They go to the police and the police go, geez, it's unhelpful. <laughs> it's a little bit unhelpful. Now, so you're, really, you're, you're, make, you're making it hard for us to defend you to our friends. And, you know, we don't think it's an obstacle to peace. Mm. You know, don't, don't, don't take any more land. Don't, don't move too close to their back door. But look, let's just... Uh, you're making it difficult you know, for us to... You're making it a little bit hard for us know. to make people like you. We mm. want people to like you, but you make it a little bit hard. Mm-mm. I mean, there's talk about That's it That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean... It, it it's looks, absurd when you put it in this context. Mm. And, oh, it's sickening. Look, I'm, I'm also thinking of uh, the people I know who had their lands confiscated uh, after the, after generations. Uh, I don't want to say the, the, the generations who just lived in our time. I'm talking about mm. the grand... Uh, the great 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 grandfathers who uh, who were there uh, even sometimes d- since the um, the 18th or even 17th century um, they had their lands confiscated uh, before their eyes and if they resisted they will see their homes bulldozed and they will get no compensation and sometimes you will have to pay for the bulldozer sometimes they will send you the bill for uh, the cost and the labor of uh, sending people to demolish your house, um, that is occupation. Occupation is Absolutely. is is really well, beyond know. any kind of logic, and uh, but it has been maintained and sustained simply because there is an entity that is immune to uh, to international law, and that entity is called Israel. People, America and Australia are assisting in it by welcoming Netanyahu and. Putting all of the, what did, the, what did uh, the, she say? The, what, what did the bishop say to embrace to, to, to embrace you in Australia when she sent the invitation to Netanyahu? I mean, look, it's sickening. We had Penny Wong issue a statement on behalf of the Labor Party talking about this uh, retrospect, retrospective law, and I mean, just the weakest, most sycophantic sort of uh, statement. It just it really sickens you as an Australian. I'm an Australian. You know, I was born here. My children are born here. My future is here. Um, but I haven't forgotten where my father came from and where my grandfather is buried. And to think that my country, 
A, rolls out the red carpet for this uh, sort of guy, and B, can't actually come up with a, a, the sort of right stance as a human being to say wrong is wrong. And the thing that you know keeps getting lost in context is occupation is violence. It's a war crime. We're going to have to leave it here, uh, I guess, and we will definitely come again uh, to these uh, topics uh, in our uh, future episodes. Uh, I really want to thank uh, Robert and Nasser uh, and all my lis- lis- our listeners uh, for being with us uh, today. And remember to tune in next uh, Saturday, uh, same time, 9.30 in the morning. Until then, have a great time and salam. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.